Whoa, I'm so excited. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to test this out. Mm. Hey, Vincent. Hey, Simon, how's it going? Good, man. Hey, I was thinking about our conversation the other day that we had about the whole tithing and giving thing. Yeah, you know? and what, a, what about Well, here's the thing. I trust God with my life, and, and, I, and I know he wants the best for me, but I just want to know what my money's going to. You know, you know what I mean? Sure, sure do. I mean, when we go to buy a car, like we get to drive the car off the lot, right? Right, right. When you go to buy a movie ticket, you get to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I just wish I knew what happened after I give. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. I know exactly what you mean. As a matter of fact, my latest invention addresses just that issue. Really? Yes. I want to introduce you and behold, the Tithe Use Return Tracking and Locating Experiment. Huh? Or TURTLE for short. Wow. Yes. I'm That's telling pretty you. cool. So, so what does it do? Well, first thing you do is that we take these very, very special microscopic advanced measured tracking devices. Uh-huh. Hold that box for okay. me. Okay. And we attach those to the money. And then with the advanced scientific technology in this device, uh-huh. we're able to track the actual use of your money. Vincent, I don't see anything. Well, they're microscopic. Oh, Just be careful. Yeah. Put them okay, back in the whatever. box. Right, right, right. Okay. All right. I'll tell you what. This is perfect time to run a test. How about we go ahead and run a test of it? Wow. Put these on these for me. These things are cool. Okay. See? All right, because what I've already done in advance, because I've been waiting to test this. Okay. I've already tagged and programmed my money I gave last month okay. to the church, and now we'll be able to run a test. You ready? Uh, I think so. All right. Test number one. Whoa! Wow! What do you see? What do you see? I, I see a prisoner reading a Bible. Oh, that's awesome. That means this really works. That's got to, some of my money must have went to the prison outreach ministry. Whoa, that is so cool. All right. Yeah. What? I think it says, call to arms. Oh, that's great. That means some of my money went to our ministry that helps so many military families throughout our community. Okay. Doing good. good. Now it's just a picture of the bridge. Oh, Obviously, some of the money went to help with the actual upkeep of our buildings. Okay. You know, things like electricity, water, air conditioning. It ain't cheap. Yeah, that's true. It ain't cheap. Whoa! Wait a second. What's wrong? What's wrong? Uh, there's a picture of Pastor Farrell with a Bojangles box. Oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. Well, that can't be. There's got to be a glitch in that. There okay. must be something wrong. Well, there is at least a loose wire or something. Oh, so. Okay, maybe that's uh, what Let's just go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, now it's a picture of Pastor Andy, and it looks like he's praying with a group of people. Oh, that must be our, our broken chains ministry. They, do, they help people with addictions like drugs, alcohol, right. eating disorders, even pornography. It's a very important part of our church. Mm-hmm. Whoa, that's a bunch of pastors from the bridge. Oh, that's obvious means that in this case, some of my money went to help with the actual pay of the pastors. They work so hard teaching lessons, delivering sermons, caring for the sick even discipling others. Makes sense. Now it looks like a mom, and she's holding a baby, and they, they look happy. Oh, that's good, because we also support the Wayne Pregnancy Care Center, with, whose job is to help women through the pregnancies, as well as offer some parenting classes and other services. Wow. That's pretty cool. I never realized all that happened after we give. I mean, I've even benefited from some of these ministries. 
Vincent, I think I'm beginning to understand a little bit better what happens after we give. That's awesome because you know what? I've learned that it takes my money along with other believers' money to make all this happen. You know, everybody giving their part because nobody can do it all by themselves. You're right. You're right. Hey, uh, I think it's time that my wife and I have a conversation and begin to pray about how we can begin to be used by God and, and to tithe. And I mean, we want what's best for our family, and we know God mm -hmm. wants to, to bless us through that. So I think I'm going to do my, my part and start tithing. Thank you so much, Vincent. Oh, that's excellent. Awesome. And I'll check into that glitch as well because okay. we've got to get that straight. out. want to check that out. All right, great job, guys. Uh, really good illustration there of uh, all the ways that when you give, the lives that are impacted uh, by that. God has been very generous to us. Wouldn't you guys agree? God's been very generous to you. Some of you. All right, the front row right here has been a guy. <clears throat> Yet we're often fixated on what we don't have or wish we had. And in this series, Blessed, we're learning to change that fixation when it comes to the resources, the wealth that God has given us. We're learning what it means to align our hearts and minds with God's heart so we can live a life that is blessed by Him. From a global perspective, we are all rich. But rich does not necessarily mean blessed. Blessed has a deeper meaning. Blessed is a steadfast joy and contentment within us that doesn't change based on what you have or don't have or what your outward circumstances are. To be blessed means that you have the supernatural power of God working in you and through you. Who are you living for? How we think about what we have and what we do with what we have. The key to living a life that is blessed by God is directly linked to a heart of generosity. You know, there are givers and there are takers in this world. So how would you be, how would, how would people characterize you? Would they say you are a giver or would they say you are a taker? That's a, that's a tough question to ask sometimes. But we don't want something from you here at the bridge. We want something for you. And if you don't believe us when we say that, we encourage you that if you belong to another church, then please give there. Don't give to the bridge, but give generously to the church that you regularly attend. Now today, we're going to talk about what I call the blessing test. God literally uses a test to determine how much blessing he can trust us with. Now, I don't know about you, but I never cared for tests in school. Uh, I always had to study really hard to get my C's. And when I got, whenever I got a B minus, I was doing cartwheels, and so were my parents. Uh, there's some people in here that I know you are the kind of people that never studied, and you always got an A. I don't like you very much, if that's you. But one thing I'm sure of, no matter what the government says, as long as there are tests in school, there will always be prayer in school. Amen to that? Maybe that's my problem. I didn't do enough fasting when I was a kid before I took those tests. But when I was in school, I decided that no matter how little I knew about the topic, 
when given a test, I would always put an answer in every blank or at the end of each question mark in the hopes that I guess it right. You guys remember the, the Iowa tests? Remember that back in the day? Okay, just a few people, just a few old people here remember what that is. Um, now, I found some answers that kids put down in their test that reminded me of some of the answers I would have put down as a kid. First question was, the first cells were probably lonely. <laughs> Second question, imagine you lived at the same time Abraham Lincoln did. What would you say to him? Answer, I tell him not to go to a play ever. Ever. Don't ever go to a play. Third question a kid received one time. It says, what ended in 1896? 1895. Listen, man, if I was a teacher, I'd mark that correct just for his creativity, you know? <laughs> Next question, where was the Declaration of Independence signed? Answer, at the bottom. Next question, what is the highest frequency noise that a human can register? Answer, Mariah Carey. <laughs> or Christina Aguilera, one of the two. And just for fun, here's a test question for those who grew up in the 80s. Any 80s kids up in here, all right? Rick Astley's never gonna, A, give you up, B, let you down, C, make you cry, D, hurt you. Or E, all the above. All the above. You guys just got rickrolled in a sermon. I tell you what, if I ever do a lip sync, I'm going to do Rick Astley. Never going to give you up. Some of you get that. So in this message, we're talking about the principle of the blessing test. God actually does a test with us to see if he can trust us with his blessings. We're going to Philippians 4 today. And I want you to see a very familiar promise that God gives in this book. Philippians is a letter written by Paul to a local church. Paul started a bunch of churches to help people put their faith in Jesus and grow into faithful disciples. Paul started this church in a little seaside town called Philippi. The church was filled with a lot of new believers, just like the Bridge Church. There's a bunch of new believers in this room right now, and I love that. I love that. I get to be a part of a church where, where people are always, uh, on a regular basis, coming to Jesus Christ. And, and we're helping to lay a foundation for them. So the book of Philippians teaches people how to follow Christ, how to live like Christ, and how to serve together with other Christ followers, and how to take care of each other. Because that's really important. You know, <clears throat> some of us uh, grew up in church, or many of us grew up in church. But think about if you were in your 20s or 30s, and you never stepped foot in a church. Your parents weren't Christians at all, and this whole thing is brand new. What kind of love and support would you need if you walked through those front doors for the first time today. You know, I think sometimes we just, uh, we just forget what it's like to be someone that's 
that doesn't know about Jesus, someone that just came to Christ. And we kind of take that for granted. But we want to focus in on how Paul sums this book up in the last chapter with what I believe to be one of the greatest promises in the entire Bible. Because it's so comprehensive and all-compassing. Philippians 4.19 says, My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, in this one, we, we forgot the word my, but, but Paul says my God. And I love how he says my God. He has a personal relationship with God, and he knows that God is faithful. He knows that God provides. Have you ever been talking to anyone about God and said, my God? Because you are in such close relationship with, with God that you know that he hears and he sees what's going on, and he's going to come through. I love, I love that. But in your mind right now, some of you are asking, okay, God's supposed to meet all my needs, then why are my needs not being met? Why don't the bill collectors stop calling me? Why do I still feel like I'm not blessed? I feel hopeless. I'm over my head. And I've felt this way for years now. Answer, because that promise is not for everyone. Now, God's love, his mercy, and grace are promises to everyone who will receive. But this promise right here is conditional. It's a promise with a premise. A promise with a premise. This fulfillment of this promise is based on us passing a test. When it comes to our money, we think the big question is, can I trust God with my finances, right? That's, that's a question many of us ask. Can I trust God with my finances. But the big question is, can God trust me with his finances? Can God trust me with his finances? Let me ask you a question. Who owns everything you have? Who owns everything you have? Anybody? God. All right. So that's easiest for to answer, say God, that, that God owns everything. But another question I have for you is, do you live like God owns everything? Or do you live like you own it and you have to protect it? Because it's, it's easy for us to say that God owns everything, but it's a lot harder to live that way. We all want the promise that God will meet all our needs, but we almost always skip over the condition that we must meet before that promise can be fulfilled. So what's the condition we must meet? We're always quoting verse 19, but we ignore 14 through 18. It's important when you read your, when you read your Bible, when you read the scriptures, to not just point out like, Read one verse and focus on that. You have to read the surrounding text to put it in perspective. So let's go to 14. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty, as you know. You Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news, the gospel, and then traveled on from Macedonia. 
No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. Paul is saying, I don't want something from you. I want something for you. And in 18, at the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me from Aphroditus, Aphroditus, however you want to say that. They, your generous acts, are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. This is a thank you note from Paul. You know, um, I don't know about you, but I feel like my generation needs to step it up a little bit in thank you notes. I feel like, I feel like my parents' generation did a really good job of that. And, um, you know, a lot of our thank you notes are like a text message. Hey, thanks so much for doing that. It, it means a lot to people when you take time. No one really gets cards anymore unless it's your birthday. Take some time and write a thank you note and show your appreciation. <clears throat> Paul says, you worked hard and gave, gave out of your poverty to support my God-given mission to reach the world. And I just want to say thank you. That's what Paul's doing right here. The Philippians were extremely generous, though they were very poor. They loved offering time. They loved giving. When Paul's trying to teach the Corinthian church how to be generous, he tells them about the Philippian church. What, what about you? What about your life and the legacy you're leaving? When you're gone, will people talk about your generosity to God's kingdom? Or, or will they talk about how you were just tight-fisted all the time? For me, personally, the more I grow in my relationship with God, the more giving I become. The more I grow in my relationship with God, the more giving I become. And I don't know, hopefully you see that as well in your life. You know, my wife and I, we get excited to give our tithes and offerings. We really do. And we also own a small business. So when my, when my wife does well a certain month, and, and we get excited that we get to write an even bigger, bigger check. You know, sometimes we'll look down and be like, man, that is awesome that we get to give so much. And, uh, and when there's needs, like maybe when there's individual needs in our church or in the community, God blesses us and we can give offerings to people because God has blessed us so greatly. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5 says, I, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what, kind, what, what God in his kindness, has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. 
there are some things that stick out to me. It says that they were rich in their generosity. They gave by their own free will. They weren't coerced or weren't forced. They counted it as a privilege to give. And their first action was to give themselves. Yes, we're talking about uh, blessed and, and we're talking about what are you doing with what God has given you and to be faithful. But first and foremost, you got to give yourself to God. Listen, just because you give your finances doesn't mean that you have necessarily given your heart to God. That has to be first and foremost. You have to get right with Jesus Christ. He is your Lord and Savior. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. And if you continue to live like you're the one in control, you will continue to live a selfish life. And when it's all said and done, you're going to have to answer for, for the life you lived. And, and we cannot get to, get to God other than through Jesus Christ. He is our bridge to God, which would be a great name to a church. Paul says they were so very poor, they, they had nothing. So I told them not to give one penny. But they begged me to take an offering. Paul's saying, don't give me any more. And they're saying, please, please let us give you more. Please let us bless you. That's awesome. They pleaded with him to let us give more to the mission. Let us, let us give more so we can reach more people for Jesus Christ. That's what the New Testament church is all, all about. Because they knew the Lord would provide for their every need. And they sowed in faith. They sowed in faith. Here are some of the results of our generosity. When you are generous... People are grateful, and their heart is softened toward God. I don't care who you are. I don't care how far away you are from Jesus Christ, whether, whether if you consider yourself an atheist. If you give and you're generous, that will speak to anybody, even if they know Jesus or not. And I, can, I'm not sure, I know you have examples, and I have examples as well. People that were so far from Jesus Christ that when someone did something for them, when someone was generous to them, it spoke to their heart. It spoke to their heart. When you give, you become more like Jesus. And isn't that our goal, for us to be all become more like Jesus? When you give, your faith grows stronger. Your faith grows stronger. And when you give, you please the Heavenly Father. You please the Heavenly Father. And fifthly, when you give, you are investing in eternity. Matthew 6, 20 says, Store your treasures in heaven where moss and rust can, cannot destroy. And thieves do not break in and steal. Think about right now, think about your favorite thing in this life. Think about your favorite object right now in your life. All right, does, can everyone picture that one thing that's like their favorite? Like, let me ask the question. You know, if you were on a deserted island, what would you take with you? Think about your favorite thing, your favorite object, and guess what? 
in a hundred years from now, it probably won't exist. Some of you said, you're home. That's my favorite thing. In a hundred years, that thing probably won't be standing anymore. I mean, how many century homes do we have around Goldsboro? There's not a lot. What about your car? Maybe some of you, that was your favorite thing, your, the car. Guess what? It's probably going to be in a junkyard someday. And it's going to be all rusted out and, and uh, it'll be sold for parts. You know, whatever it is that you can think about, whatever your favorite thing, whatever your favorite object is, your great-grandkids or great-great-grandkids probably won't have any possession of it any longer. You think about the things that are so precious to us that won't last. So I'm going to talk about the generosity ladder here. And uh, it's got uh, four rings, of course, the, the fifth one up here. And I want to talk about kind of each level right here, this generosity level. Level one is the genera- is the spur-of-the-moment generosity. This is kind of the spontaneous. You know, you're made aware of a need you didn't expect, and you immediately give to it. And it's like whatever you got on you. This is a great place to start because it means you're beginning to open your hand and allow God to bless others through you. You know, you're loosening your grip. This level of generosity can be seen even among unbelievers. So shouldn't we as Christians be even more generous than that? Step two is the uh, planned or systematic, systematic generosity. This level of generosity says, I have a plan in place where I will monthly or weekly be generous. Look how Paul encourages the local church to do this. In 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, it says, Now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. In your personal finances, we understand planned, systematic financial disbursements because we do this with various payments we have. We set them up online to pay automatically, maybe your mortgage, your rent, utilities, your insurance, your, your Netflix, your gym membership. Now, I just went to the gym uh, this past week for the first time in about several months. You know it's been a long time when you go to the gym and you forget the combination on your lot. But I was there. I was there. Uh, But when it comes to the God who's given us his son, when it comes to our local church that we love, many of us just wing it. We, We don't plan to give. We just wait to see if there's anything left over, and we don't have a system or plan in place. Let me ask you this. When life gets tough, when you have marriage issues, when you're having struggles with your kids, especially if they're teenagers, maybe a death of a loved one, 
or you're in the hospital for a major surgery, who are you going to call? I know a lot of you are thinking Ghostbusters right now. Who are you going to call? If you call Netflix and you tell them about your issues that you got, they don't care. They don't care. If you call your gym, now if you go to the Y, they probably will care. But if you go to anywhere else, they probably won't. If you go to the bank and you say, man, this is what's going on right now. Um, you know, I, I need some support, I need some love. They're probably going to turn you away. So then why not have a systematic plan in place to give back to the God who loves you and meets your daily need? He's the one that's given you it all to begin with. Give God your best, and that should be a non-negotiable, to give God your best. God's given me his best. He's given you his best, especially by giving you his only son. And so our response should be, I'm going to give you my best, God. The next step, step number three, is the obedience generosity. Somebody getting a little nervous? Listen, when Pastor Pharaoh did this on Thursday, I was nervous. Is the obedient generosity. This idea revolves around the idea of tithing 10% off your income. Deuteronomy 14.23 says, Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithes of grain, your new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flocks and herds, your best. Doing this will teach you always to fear, honor, respect, prioritize the Lord your God. Now, some of you are saying, well, that's the Old Testament. The Old Testament talks about tithing and, and, and uh, you know, giving God your best. and That's the Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. All right. Well, let's talk about the New Testament. What does the New Testament say? New Testament says to give all. You look about the, the, the Ten Commandments. And then you have Jesus who comes along and he talks about lusting. And so you got all these re religious rulers. And he talks about lust and he says, not only, not only adultery is actually sleeping with someone that's not your spouse, but if you have looked at someone in a lustful way, you have committed adultery. I mean, he takes it to another level. The New Testament takes you to another level. So we should be thankful about the 10% in the Old Testament, unless you just want to give everything right now. That's fine. We'll take it. We'll take it. I'm getting this question a lot, and I've, 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 I think I've gotten this question every single service of this series. 
where someone comes up to me and they say, um, are you supposed to tithe that 10%? Is it just to the church or can it be to other good things like maybe like a family in need or, or, or an organization in the community that's really making a difference? I was always taught to give God your best first. And I believe that that's what the Bible teaches. And I'm going to stick to that. Listen, you do what the Lord tells you to do. But I believe that we should give our best to God. That's the tithe. That's, that's the 10%. All right? Anything above that is called an offering. But God's, listen, I love you guys. I love this community. There's a lot of, uh, of, of families that I care about that are in need. But God's going to get my tithe first. And if I have some offerings left over, then I'm gonna, my wife and I are going to help who we can. But it's a non-negotiable that God gets my best. Non-negotiable. The last one is sacrificial generosity. I'd do it. I'd do it. I don't want to scare anybody, though. Sacrificial generosity. Giving above and beyond the 10%. This is extravagant giving. If you have ever been a part of extravagant giving, do you know what an awesome feeling that is? extravagant giving. God doesn't want your tithe because he needs to pay an electric bill in heaven. He doesn't have that need. God doesn't need one cent of your money. God is trying to change your hearts to be like his. That's what it all comes down to. It all comes down to a heart issue. And how do you know what's a priority? What do you think about throughout the day? What consumes your thoughts throughout the day? That's what is most important to you. What, what is the biggest portion other than your mortgage? Who else gets the biggest part of your paycheck? That's who you know what, who, where your priorities are at. God is trying to change our hearts to be like his. He tells the Corinthian church to give with a cheerful heart. Not only with their money, but with the way they live, full of justice, mercy, and faith. So here's the first challenge. Get on the ladder. Get on the ladder. Even if it's just the first step, just get on the ladder next week. Challenge number two, if you're on the ladder, think and pray about taking the next step. So if you're right here, next week, just take one step. Just want to take one step. We were at the beach this past weekend and uh, had a great time. <clears throat> and uh, we would go, we go out there. We were, we were there for the last couple of days. And, and so we would go out there in the morning with our kids. You don't have to worry about all that suntan lotion. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit cooler 
all the seashells are everywhere. And so we go out there in the morning, and, and yesterday morning we were out there, and, um, you know, I have uh, almost a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. And I was with my nine-year-old, and um, we were, he wanted, he wanted to kind of ride some of the waves. He, he wanted to get out there, and the waves were pretty strong. And, uh, and Cash, uh, my, my second oldest, he, he wanted to come out as well. And, uh, and so he's got the floaty device on. You know, it's, it's like so big. It's like, remember, like uh, 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 Christmas story, yeah, where the kids can't get up. Can't put my arms down, you know. Uh, so, he, so he's wearing this big old, uh, you know, life vest because he's just a little guy, you know. And I, and I, don't, want, I don't want the waves to come on out. And so here you have Declan, who's on the beach. Then you have Noelle that's just kind of dipping her toes in the water. And then you have Cash, who's got this big old floaty device on him. And then you have Graydon. And my wife's like, watch him like a hawk. Be careful. So he's like, Dad, can we go a little bit deeper? So we're like, okay. And he, he holds my hand. And so we're out there, and he kind of gets knocked over by a wave. And I'm like, oh, he wants to want to go back. He's like, no, man, let's go deeper. So we go a little bit deeper. And you know what? As long as I was holding his hand, he would have gone out as far as that water would have come up to his head, as long as I was holding his hand. So this is what I encourage you this week. Take God's hand and say, God, I've never given like this before. And it's scary. And I'm a little afraid that you're going to have, that you're going to pay, help me pay everything I need to pay, pay all my bills and have a little emergency there. I'm a little afraid, but I'm going to take your hands and I'm going to go deeper than I've ever gone before because I know you're putting this on my heart. That's what I encourage you to do this week. As you spend some time in prayer, as you spend some time, if you're married, talking to your spouse, if you've got kids, talking to your kids, you know, and, and, and say, guys, you know, get your kids involved. Help them be a part of this. And, you know, it's funny to them. I, I think about, like, how our kids are and how we are. Um, you know, if your kid's got $10 in the savings in his little piggy bank and you say, hey, let's give $1 to God, all right? And when you tell a kid to give $1, how do they usually react? That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, mom and dad. But you know what? You've been around for a little while. And you know that that's not a lot of money and that you're going to provide for them. How many of us act that way a little bit towards God? We're like, God, that's a lot of money. But he owns it all. He's going to take care of you. So take a step of faith next week. Offering fit for king. This, this coming Thursday...
And next Sunday, we have an opportunity to shine a lot of light in darkness. We have a lot of opportunity to make a kingdom difference. So I encourage you to be a part of that. Let's pray.